You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Hey guys, good to see you here today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, let's go to Joshua chapter 9. We are in a series entitled, We Can't Stay Here. And we've been looking at the life of Joshua and how he has led God's people into the promised land. And and, uh, God told them they couldn't stay in the desert homeless anymore. They had to go across the Jordan River and begin to take the promised land that God promised that he was going to, in fact, give to them. And so as we have been applying this to our church and, and our life, I've been hopefully helping you see that God has given Foothills Church a vision to make disciples. And as a result of that vision, as people have been developed into disciples and, and they lead other people to Christ and, and then they're a part of our church. And as you continue to see this happen, it creates space issues. And so uh, just like if you're going to prepare your family for, for more kids and creating space for your family at, at your home, uh, we've got to do that as well as a church. And so we are, are determined that we have, have, have heard from God and, and we're creating space Uh, for people who are not here yet. We've created space for people who need to hear and and understand who Jesus is. And and that's what our vision has been geared toward. And and for each of us, man, I've been hopefully encouraging you to take part in that vision, to serve somewhere, prepare to give towards that end. And it's going to take all of us, first of all, caring about this it's going to take us really uh, sacrificing to, to be able to make this happen. We're going to have to take uh, some risk to do this as a church, and, and we're going to have to unite around this vision. And when I say the word vision, what I mean is that God has given you a clear sense of purpose uh, to, to actually do something through your life. So there's a clear sense of purpose to do something. And so as a church, it's to make disciples. We're, 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 we're casting that vision. And, and, and as well, God has given you a vision as well. And, and maybe you don't understand what that is yet. And maybe you're still trying to develop that and, and, and grasp it. And, and I hope that you're, you're figuring it out here at FC. And we really help you do that in camp too. And if you haven't gone, I encourage you to, 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 to read more about that. Go to base camp and then, and then check out camp too. But, but I believe God has gifted you and, and God has, has given you resources and God has given you this whole journey up until this point. And, and God wants to use all of that. And, and uh, he wants to help you understand what this vision is for your life and how that vision intersects, that clear sense of purpose intersects with the overall vision of Foothills Church. And, and uh, I know that some of you have experienced this. There's this burden in your heart. And that's really where vision really starts. It comes from a deep-seated burden of, of what is, and you begin to see what could be or what what should be in your life. And so that burden begins to develop. And for some of you, that burden, you know, kept you up at night and it, and it really stirs in your heart. And, and you know that not only could this and should this happen, but it must happen. And you have been convinced that, that it's you that plays this role in this vision. And so for some of you, you know, your heart is that, man, I want to help under-resourced families, and so I want to I want to provide for them, and I want to connect them to resources. and And, and for some of you, it's it's for orphan care ministries, and for some of you, it's for student ministry. You want you want to see young people hear the gospel and grow in their faith, and so you're excited about that, and that's what God has led you to be a part of. and And uh, no matter where God is leading you, and what God is is, is specifically giving you a a sense of purpose towards to fulfill. 
Like it will intersect with the overall vision to make disciples and to build God's kingdom here through this church. And so, you know, for me, my, my, the vision that I believe God has given to me as a leader is that God's called me to lead a church, to make disciples, and he's calling me to lead you to spiritual places that you've never been. And so I know when I think about that, I get excited about that, leading a church that makes disciples and to lead people to spiritual places they've never been. Okay, that means that God is going to have to intervene through my life because I can't do that on my own. And when God gives you a vision and God gives you some, some clarity on what that looks like and how to partner with this church to do that, like you realize that you can't do that on your own. God has to intervene. And, and so today I want us to take a minute to really look at Joshua's life again and, and, and see in this episode of their journey how, you know, last Sunday, yeah, the walls of Jericho fell. It was a great win. And then sin enters the, the community. It affects everybody. God's judgment comes upon them. They go fight the next battle and they get their tail kicked. Well, and then in the story, in the chapter after that, they dedicate themselves to God. They make sacrifices and they, they begin to set out in, in, in the path that God has for them again. And, and so they go back to the city of Ai. They defeat that city. And, and so they, they take the, you know, the mistake and all the problems and they, they get things right. And then they pursue, continue to pursue this vision of taking the promised land that God has for them. Well, today we're gonna see that even more problems come their way and they make some mistakes again. And these mistakes have the potential to kill the vision of taking the promised land. And, and that's what I want us to think about today, that, that there are going to be mistakes that happen in your life and mistakes in my life that could kill the vision that God wants this church to experience and, 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 and that God wants you to experience personally. And so how do, we, how do we not let mistakes in our life keep us from accomplishing the vision that God wants us to experience? Well, in chapter nine, I want us to focus in on, on what's happening here. And, and here's, here's the reality. In verse one of, of, of chapter nine, it says this. As soon as all the kings who were beyond the Jordan, in other words, all the kings that were you know, in the promised land, in the hill country and in the lowland, all along the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites heard of this. They gathered together as one, to fight against Joshua and Israel. Let's just pause there. Let me just make this comment. So they heard about the city of Ai falling. They heard about the city of Jericho falling. So all of these nations, all of these kingdoms are like, okay, we've got to band together to fight these Israelites. And, and I want you to know that if you are going to take the vision that God has given to you seriously, if you are going to get serious about the vision here at FC, if you're going to get serious about building God's kingdom, you can be sure that the enemy will start to unite against you and try to defeat any and everything that you think you're going to accomplish. You see, the enemy wants to form an alliance against anything that God wants to accomplish in this church and in your life specifically. And, and it's not like the Canaanite army is going to show up in your neighborhood with spears and swords and knock on your door. It's not going to be that obvious the enemy is, is, is much craftier and very deceitful. And he's gonna use various situations in your life that could lead you to make mistakes that could in turn kill the vision that God wants you to 
experience. Now, I'm not going to read the story, but I do want to tell it in chapter 9 here. There's a group of people called the Gibeonites, and, and uh, they hear about what Israel is doing and how God is, is blessing them, and, and so they're pretty fearful, and so they come up with this plan to deceive Joshua and the people. And what they do is they live in the promised land, so they're about 20 miles away, but they want Joshua to believe that they're from a faraway country. And so they, they put on all these old clothes that have holes in them and patches on them. They, they wear these old sandals and they take dry, moldy bread with them and uh, old wineskins that are cracked and, and just worn out. And they wanted to give the appearance they, uh, that, that they had traveled a very long distance. And when they, they get to Joshua, they say, hey, we've traveled from a far off country and we heard about your God. We heard about what he's doing. And, and hey, listen, we're with you guys. We, we like your God. And so we want you to make a promise to us that you're not going to harm us because we want to be on your team. Let's do this thing together. And Joshua's like, huh, God told us to destroy everybody in the promised land. Uh, are you guys, where do you guys live? You guys live around here in this area? And they're like, no, 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 look, we, we've traveled so far. Look at our clothes. We've been traveling. So look at this bread. When we left, it was fresh and now it's old. And most, so it's been a long time. And, and Joshua falls for the deception, hook, line, and sinker. And so the first thing I want you to grasp today, the first mistake that you and I might make that could kill the vision is, is that we might believe lies. We might believe lies. Joshua believes the lie from these people, and, 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 and as a result, he makes a covenant with them. He makes a promise to them that we're not going to harm you, we're not going to hurt you. And, and, and not only you know, is he making that promise to them, it's, it's a promise that he is making before God and, and to God. So it's a, it's a binding agreement here. It's a binding promise that, that he is, in fact, going to take care of these people. And see, the reality is some of you are making that very mistake today. You're believing a lie that the enemy has told you. You're believing lies, and as a result of that mistake, it's impacting your ability to do the things that God wants you to do in this church. The deception is clear. We've all been deceived, and, and, and we've all been, perhaps you've been in a relationship, you know, and uh, you've experienced deception, like the person you were dating or in a relationship with cheated on you or lied to you. And, and, and the first time that happens, you know, or maybe that's happened however many times, it's like when that happens, it breaks your heart. It, it ruins that relationship, doesn't it? And, and it's really hard to, to overcome that deception. You've perhaps been in a business relationship with someone and maybe you started a business or somebody that you're working with, you know, lied about where the money was going or what was happening. And, and as a result of that deception, man, your, your relationship was ruined. We've all been lied to. We've been deceived you know, by somebody, and, and, and that ruins and kills relationships. And, and here Joshua is, in fact, experiencing this deception, and he's falling for it. And, and one of the primary ways that the enemy is going to work against you is by deceiving you, by lying to you. And if he can get you to believe a lie, then you're going to put yourself in a little box and believe that lie, and you're never going to step out of that box and try to do anything for God's kingdom. You're going to be worried about, I'm not good enough, I'm this, I'm that, I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm going to stay in this box, and I'm not going to risk anything for the kingdom of God. But listen, as Joshua is leading the people of God to experience God's vision, it is a risky business to follow and trust God. It is risky financially, it is risky relationally, it's risky spiritually. Everything about trusting and following God is risky, but that's why it's a life of faith. We don't know how it's going to work out. 
We don't know, you know, how God is going to provide, but we trust him by faith. See, some of you are believing a lie today. Satan is the father of lies, Scripture says. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, it says that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. You see, the enemy will come to you and, and he will say, this is going to be so awesome. It's going to feel great. You're going to look great. You're going to have a great feeling and an overall great experience. Everybody else is, is experiencing this and look how fun they're having. This is for you, man. And then if you fall for that lie and that deception and you actually cross over and you sin, on this side of the sin line, Satan then becomes the condemner, the shamer. You're an idiot. Now nobody's going to love you. Now you're never going to be used by God. You're never going to advance. You're never going to get the promotion. You're never going to get whatever it is. Why? Because of what you did over there. On this side, he's like, an angel of light. Looks awesome. Come on. Taste. See. It's going to be wonderful. But he's a deceiver. He's a liar. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for our struggle. How many of you guys have struggled in your life before by show of hands? Your struggle, some of you are struggling today. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I use this when I talk to people about their marriage relationship because we, we tend to point our finger at the person that we're in a relationship with. Like he's doing, she's doing, blah, blah, blah. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. There is an internal battle that you are, you're, you're fighting and losing oftentimes, and it's the spiritual battle. He says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now we live in a very secular society we don't want to talk about the spiritual evil of the world. We want to save that for Star Wars. We don't want to realize that there is a spiritual battle over men and women, their souls, and their eternity. So the struggle that you are facing, the lies that you are believing, this is an internal struggle, spiritual battle. Satan is a liar. He wants to deceive you, and he wants to keep you in that box so that you don't do anything great or even attempt anything Halfway great for God. John 10, 10, Jesus says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill the vision that God has given to you. And he wants to destroy this church. Make no mistake about it. We are in a fight. We are in a battle. And some of us lose sight of the spiritual battle, and we just think that it's all the circumstances that are the problem. And if we could just get rid of the circumstances, if we could just get rid of all these people, you know, then things would work out. That's a lie that you believe. Some of you believe that what happens on the ball field is more important than what happens in God's church. That's a lie that you're believing today. Some of you believe you're not supposed to really be a leader in God's church. That's a lie that you're believing today. Some of you believe God doesn't really want to use me to do anything of eternal value. That's for, you know, full-time pastors and their kind of, I just come on Sunday, you know, I'm not an eternal kind of investor. That's a lie that you're believing. Some of you believe you're not pretty enough to be loved. Even though maybe your husband or somebody tells you over and over, you don't believe it. 
And, and because you don't believe it, you don't, you don't really, you, you kind of just let yourself live in this little box and you don't, you don't really try to do anything because you just don't feel loved and, and you're believing this lie and it's, it's keeping you from God's vision in your life. Some of you just think that your past mistakes are too significant to actually allow you to do anything significant today. So my past, man, what I've done, what I've experienced, too difficult, too significant to allow me to do anything of value for God today. That's a lie that some of you are believing. Some of you believe the lie that nobody really loves you. Nobody loves me. Parents, spouse, friend, nobody loves me. God doesn't love me. And that's the way that you are kind of living your life out as if no one loves you. That's a lie that you're believing today. You believe the lie that you're not really important to God. Some of you believe the lie that church is just after money. All the church cares about is money. That's a, that's a legit lie from Satan himself. You see, some of us have to ask a really important question today to God. It, it, it's, a, it's a question that we have, to, we have to really posture our heart before him and say, God, what lies am I believing today? What lies am I believing today? What, what, what am I believing that's keeping me from experiencing the vision that, that you want me to pursue. And, and here's where the real problem lies. The real problem is when we allow that lie to prevent us from trusting God for our future. And when we do that, it prevents us from following him and trusting him and experiencing the vision to come to fruition. The second mistake that we see is found in, in chapter 9 verse 14. So they come, they deceive, and here's what Joshua does in verse 14. So the men took some of their provisions, they took some of the old bread that was moldy and, and crusty, and they took some of the provisions, and they, they believed the lie, but they did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them, and he made a covenant with them to let them live, and the leaders of the congregation swore to them. In this so important decision. Joshua does not lead his people to seek the counsel of the Lord and they fall for the lie. See, the second mistake that some of you are gonna make that could in fact kill the vision that God has for your life is that you fail to seek counsel from God. You ever just made a decision just because you thought it felt good? You didn't pray about it, you didn't, you didn't ask, you just, you just went for it. Now, sometimes we make decisions like that and, and uh, we don't actually pray about it and, and, you know, they don't work out terrible for us and, and uh, out of God's sovereignty and grace, nothing really bad happens. But have you ever really made a, an important decision where you didn't, you look, looking back, you didn't really pray about it? I know a lot of people who have left their job to go get a new job because the new job offered more money. But they didn't pray about it, they didn't seek the counsel of the Lord and they ended up hating the new job. I know a lot of people who didn't seek counsel about who they were going to date. And they forgot that those who we date typically end up being those we marry. <laughs> and, and, and as a result of not praying about who they date, they end up marrying someone and they end up living to re regret that. Why? Because they did not seek the counsel of the Lord. That is a huge mistake. That if some of you are not seeking the counsel of God today on some of these decisions then you could make a mistake that would prevent you from experiencing God's vision in your life. Now, I know that there are some high school students in the room, and so 
high school students, when you're getting ready to graduate in the next few years and, hey, or maybe next, I don't know, year or two, and uh, where you're going to go to college. Like, are you going to go somewhere close, somewhere far? How much is it going to cost? All these decisions. And you get wrapped in this whole facade of what college looks like and feels like and, and should, should be and do. And, and we get wrapped into that and where our friends are going and where is my friend going here? And they're going here and they're going there. Well, I got to go here. And so, you know, we get wrapped up into that. And, and, and I know a lot of students that will make decisions based on what other, everybody else is making. And they won't actually say, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do with, with my life at this point? And, and God may be calling some of you high schoolers to graduate and to go live overseas and, and partner with one of our church plants for a year or two years. God, God might be calling you to pursue a completely different avenue for your vocation, but if you're not praying about it now, you don't seek the counsel of the Lord. You could wind up making a mistake that haunts you for the rest of your life. What about single folks in the room? Maybe you're single and, and uh, you know, you're, you're thinking about, you know, relationships and you're thinking about marriage and all these kinds of things. And have you even asked God, God, it, are you calling me to a life of singleness? Or, or are you calling me to, to live a life, you know, in a relationship, in, in, in a marriage relationship? That's the first question you should ask. And if it is, okay, God wants, God's allowing me to, to, to pursue marriage, and I think that's a good thing. So, so, so then the question isn't, okay, let's just date to date, and just kind of like when I buy a new car, and I'm kind of looking at the new car, I got to kick the tires to make sure everything's cool, right? And so when I, when I date somebody, I, I just kind of have to experience them physically. Let's live together. Let's do this. Let's do that. So that I know, am I actually going to, you know, love this person? Am I actually going to work out with this person? And, and uh, so, so they go that route instead of, First and foremost, seeking God's way and, 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 and seeking counsel with God to say, is this the, the man or the woman that you want me to pursue marriage with? Because I'm not just dating to have fun. I, I'm pursuing marriage because this is what, 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 how God views marriage and, and relationships and culture has this whole idea of what relationships are, but God is calling me to a, a deeper pursuit. I think a lot of people just don't even stop to ask, what do you want me to do, God? Now, he's not maybe going to answer you that night. It may not, boom, the writing, you know, on the walls is there. It's going to be a journey. But I've found that journey of discovery to be some of the most important and significant moments in my spiritual life as I seek him out. Now, now he doesn't, Joshua doesn't seek counsel with the Lord. He makes the mistake. And so here again, the vision is actually, you know, in, it's, it's, it's in peril. It's sitting here. It could die. What's going to happen? Well, what does Joshua do? Well, what ends up happening here in chapter 10 is that, okay, these five kings come together of the surrounding areas, and they hear about this promise, this covenant, this alliance that the Gibeonites and Joshua make together. And so the five kings say, hey, Let's go after the Gibeonites now. We need to take down that city before Israel comes in here and gets involved in this. Let's go. And so the five kings come together. They go after the Gibeonites see this happening. And so they, you know, they pick up their phone and they call Joshua. Not really, but they, they, they call him and they're like, hey, bro, remember that promise you made? Five nations are coming after us. We, we need you to step into that. What's Joshua do? So the, so, so the one mistake made a bad promise, believed a lie. Okay, now what's he going to do? Well, what he ends up doing is, is he ends up running to battle. He, he ends up fulfilling the promise that he made. And that, that's an important thing for us to grasp today. Like even when you make a mistake, 
or you feel like you made a mistake, it doesn't mean that you just tuck tail and run. You, you made a promise to someone, keep your word. That promise was before God and, 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 and this covenant was made on behalf of God to these people. So Joshua faces his mistakes and with a gutsy faith, he continues to pursue the vision. See, some of you are allowing these past mistakes to cause you to miss the vision. Joshua would say, hey, mistakes are part of the territory. You gotta get up and you, with a gutsy faith, believe that yeah, there's mistakes and yeah, that there's issues, but I'm gonna continue to pursue God's vision in my life. And that's gutsy and that's sometimes difficult. But too many people allow those past mistakes to, to haunt them. And, and listen, we've all got them. Don't act like your, your, your mistake is the biggest mistake in the world and nobody's ever, you know, gone through. We all have them. And you'll be enjoying your family, you know, this Christmas season. And, and all of a sudden, through the hot chocolate and the laughter, that stupid mistake from 20 years ago is going to pop into your mind. And you're going you're gonna to be tempted to feel those emotions again of, of rejection and shame and abandonment, uh, whatever it is. Right? And, and if you don't have a gutsy faith that says, you know what, God's forgiven me, and I am pursuing a new vision and block that out and, and move forward, then that mistake will haunt you for the rest of your life. It could kill the vision that God has for you. It could kill the vision at this church. So they go to battle in verse 8 of chapter 10. Flip over to chapter 10 here. The five kings come after the Gibeonites. Gibeonites Make a phone call, say, come help us. And then in verse eight, Joshua does this. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgah. And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Haran and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Haran, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword, which is kind of an interesting point. Like God intervenes and, and more people die from the hailstones than actual the swords of the soldiers so Joshua is, is coming forward here. He, he, he's responding to the promise that he made with a, a gutsy faith. He understands that God is saying that not one of them is going to withstand you. And so he chases after them. And, and, and one of the greatest comebacks happens here. Don't miss this. He makes the mistake. He makes a promise that he shouldn't have. He was deceived. He believed a lie. But if instead of allowing that to hold him back, he, he rebounds and he makes the greatest military decision of his life. Remember, he's a slave. He's running around in the desert and, and he's not a military genius by any means, but he's starting to come into his own now as a leader. And he makes a brilliant military decision. He hears about what's happening. So he, he sends his troops and they march all night long. Great move. And the scripture says here, that in, in, in verse nine, that they suddenly come upon them. So it was a surprise attack. So it was an ambush. So we're gonna march through the night. We get there quietly. They don't expect us to be there. We ambush them. And, and, and then on top of that, God throws a great panic upon the enemy. So they're, they're surprised by this. There's a panic that happens. God settles and they start killing people and they start, they start taking the land, right? And as they start to retreat, 
God then sends a hailstorm. And these hailstorms, I mean, uh, these stones stones had to be softball size, I don't know. And they're coming down and they're hitting all these guys and more people die from the uh, hailstorm than than actual Israelite soldiers with their sword. And, And so it looks like they did it. It looks like the day has been won. Right? I mean, by, by, by all visual appearances here, we're in a battle. The enemy is running. They're retreating. So what happens when it looks like you're winning? Sweet. We won. Good job. High five. You know, we're good. We kind of relax a little bit. Everybody's running. You know, we're, we, I think we overcame the addiction. Hey, the marriage is going fantastic now. We figured it out. And, you know, miraculously, you know, finances are good and all, everything. We feel like we're winning. But, but when that begins to happen, what happens in our heart? Well, the third mistake at that point is we allow complacency to set in. And complacency can lead us to settle. When things are going well, when things look like you're winning, we're tempted to just be complacent and settle, you know, with what we have instead of pursuing what God wants us to do. And so the people of Israel are called to destroy all of these people. Like this is their land. If they leave anybody to, to linger, that, that would be disobedience. And, and not only that, but if, if the day ends, the sun goes down, then the battle is over. They, they run and they hide. They fortify themselves. And now Joshua is in a real mess. The, the battle that should have been won today could linger for many, many months, if not years, as all of these five kingdoms flee and retreat and bunker down and hunker down for a long extended battle. So this is a big deal. What's Joshua gonna do? Is he gonna let complacency set in and say, you know what? Looks like we did it, guys. Way to go. Fist bump, fist bump, chest bump. Let's go eat some breakfast. The sun's going down, so we'll just deal with this later. No, he doesn't. He prays a prayer that is so bold and mind-blowing, and he expects God to actually answer it, and God does. Here's what happens. Look at verse 12. It says, it says at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord, and the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still. At Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon, and the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel." So Joshua doesn't make another mistake and become complacent with the retreat that he sees. He says, no, 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 no. I need the sun to stay out a little bit longer because we need to do exactly what God called us to do. We need to finish this battle. We need to finish this war. And the only way that we're gonna be able to do this is if the sun stays lit so that we can see them. If it gets dark, we won't be able to see them and and, and they're gonna hide and they're gonna cause all kinds of issues in the future. So we need the sun to stand still and he prays this audacious, bold, incredible prayer. Think about that. And God answers it. God answers the prayer and the sun actually stands still. Now, this is probably the most researched passage of scripture in the entire Bible because 
People want to know the science behind it. How did this happen? How would this even work scientifically and, 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 and from a geological standpoint? And, and there are a few interpretations here. Some people think that obviously the sun you know, d- doesn't stand still because as, as the earth, you know, we're, we're rotating, orbiting around the sun. But in the same way that we still say the sun rises or the sun sets, this terminology is, is, is essentially the same idea that, that the sun is standing still. So a lot of people believe that, uh, the, that God caused the earth's rotation to actually stop so that it appeared that the sun was standing still. Some people think that God used some kind of light refraction in the atmosphere to allow the sunlight to remain upon that day uh, for an extended day. Some people believe that the, the word uh, stands still in the Hebrew, uh, it can be interpreted as cease or stop. And so some people interpret that to mean that because they had stayed up all night and they were marching and they were fighting now in the daytime, that the sun was scorching down and the sun was just really hot. And uh, when, when, when uh, Joshua was praying that the sun would, would cease so that, so that God would take the heat of the sun away. Here's the, at the end of the day, we don't know what exactly happened. All we know is that Joshua prayed a sun stand still prayer and God in some way allowed the sun, allowed the light to remain an almost entire day so that the Israelites could do what God called them to do and to continue the battle. Listen, if God has called you to do something, he's going to provide whatever you need to accomplish it. And for you and I, you know, we look at this and we're thinking, oh man, this is, this is crazy. Like, it's never happened before. God's never heard or, 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 or done something like this. And ever since then, it never happened. And man, how does Joshua have this kind of faith and, 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 and this, this boldness? And I would just like to pause for a minute to just ask you about your prayer life for a second. Like, what does what your prayer life look like today? And, and let me ask you this. If God answered every single one of your prayers today, what would change? If today God just, you know, said yes to every prayer you've prayed this week, what, what exactly would change? Have you ever watched that movie? It's called Bruce Almighty. Uh, Jim Carrey's in it, and it's kind of a funny, silly movie. But in the movie, he, he's God for a day, right? And so, so it's really silly, but he starts to hear all the prayers of the people around the world. And so he's like, I got I to gotta focus, and how, how do I get these prayers? And, and he says, I want them to come in as emails. And so he sits down at his desk, and all these prayers come in as an email. And he starts, you know, uh, uh, downloading them. It takes all night to download. There's like a million prayers. And then he starts to answer them real fast. And, and uh, he thinks he, he's made a dent in the amount, and only to find out that three more million prayers had been come. So he's like frustrated. What am I going to do with all these prayers? And he's like, I got it. I'm just going to reply all. He replies all and he types in yes. And so essentially he says yes to everybody's prayer. And he hits send and he's like, all right, I'm done. And so the rest, you know, the next, you know, couple of scenes, it's like all these people driving these nice cars and doing all these, you know, having all these nice things because that was their prayer. And what I thought was, was funny is that like thousands of people had prayed that their numbers were the winning lottery numbers. <laughs> you know that part? And so like because everybody had the winning lottery numbers, they had to split that million whatever dollars, and so they were all getting like $20. <laughs> and I was like, that's exactly what would happen to me if I was like asking God to give me, you know, the lottery numbers or whatever. I, I would get the 20 and everybody would win. But, but what would God, what would it look like if God said yes to every single one of your prayers today? You see, I, I, I tend to think that, you know, for our prayer life, we we don't really count on God to do the supernatural. 
And listen, what, what seems impossible to us, what seems supernatural to us is natural for God. And, and, and when we look at this prayer, when we look at you know, what they are experiencing here, I want us to remember who it is that we're, we're talking to. I want us to remember that, that if God answers all of our prayers today, I wanna see and I wanna think about what would actually change because for some of you, if God answered every single one of your prayers this week, it would mean that your son scored a basket in the game on Saturday morning at Parks and Rec. How pathetic. It would mean, if God answered every single one of your prayers, it would mean that you're gonna get a 3% raise this year. It would mean that you're gonna get a new car. Think about it. What does your prayer life look like? What kind of sun stands still, bold, incredible, God, you've got to intervene and show up prayers. Have you prayed this week? Because I tend to think that our prayer life is weak. And I'm concerned that we're not asking God for anything big. We're not dreaming big. We're, we're, not, we're not asking him to do anything big. And God is asking us to participate in something that is much bigger than anything we could do on our own. God's not asking you to settle for average. He's not asking you for partial obedience. He's asking you for complete obedience. And some of you are believing a lie. You're not seeking the counsel of God. You become complacent in your life and your prayer life is evidence that you're not depending upon God for anything of value anything of significant eternal value. And I wanna challenge you today to dream bigger, to seek God's vision, and to ask him for a sun stand still type prayer that if he doesn't show up, you don't know if you're gonna make it. He has to show up or it's not gonna be done. And if you're not praying that kind of prayer today, my challenge is for you to seek the Lord on that and begin to ask him. And I invite you to join us as we are praying that God would do the miraculous here at Foothills Church. And I think if, if Joshua were here, I think he would tell us to remember who we're talking to. I think it's important, right? We're talking to the creator of the universe. If you have a problem with a miraculous event like the sun standing still, then you have a problem with the virgin birth, you have a problem with paralyzed people you know, being healed, and you have a problem with the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Either God can do miracles or he cannot. There, there, there aren't some miracles that are so supernatural to him that he, just, he can't do it. We have to realize who it is we're talking to today. Like, if, if I need help with my iPhone, I don't go to my mother. She doesn't get it. She doesn't have a clue. If I want help in making gravy, I'm going to call mom. Why? Because mom's a good cook. She gets it. I got to know who I'm talking to. If, 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 if I want help with, with, with cooking, I don't ask my 14-year-old daughter. Like She doesn't get it yet. But if I need help with my iPhone, she's the one I go to. How many, how many adults in the room go to your teenager for a little help? Hey, show me how. I don't know what. You know What does this mean? We got to know who we're talking to. We got to understand that the creator of the universe is seeking a relationship with us and calling us to a huge vision. 
And for some of us, we're just believing a lie that God doesn't want to use us or, or that, that, that God doesn't invite us to this. And I think Joshua would say, guys, you've got to begin to pray bold, courageous prayers in your life. When God gives you an idea, when he places a vision in your heart, it's that burden, it's that problem that, that is in your heart. And that vision is that clear sense of purpose that, that God is calling you to make a difference. And when he gives you that vision, he promises to provide for that vision. And I think that so many people make these mistakes, believe lies, don't seek the Lord, become complacent, and then they allow all of those decisions and all of that experience to prevent them from experiencing the vision God has for them. I don't want you to fail on that. What if, what if the, the lie he believed and the mistake that Joshua made, what if that mistake is what it took for him to experience the miracle? What if all those mistakes were a part of, of, of sovereignly how God was going to use all of that mess and all of those things to bra- uh, draw him to this battle and on this battlefield and, and that mistake might be what leads him to the miracle. And had he not made the mistake, he wouldn't have been on his face asking for a miracle. But praise God, he does. And God responds to that powerful prayer. And God does the, the impossible. And he makes it possible. And I, I believe that God wants to do the same thing in your life and through this church. Next Sunday is the biggest day we've ever had at Foothills Church. I truly believe that. The vision offering is what I've been talking about for the last several weeks is gonna determine the scope of our future ministry. And so what we give and how we respond to this is, is a huge deal. It's a sun standstill prayer for me and our staff and the leaders here at FC. And I wanna invite you today in your seats, there's a, there's a card that I don't want you to turn it in or do anything with it today except for just take it home and begin to pray about how God would lead you to give and be a part of this vision. And I think as we are leading ourselves up into this important day, I thought it was appropriate to make this week a week of prayer for all of us. And so we've created a prayer guide and some scripture that I want to encourage you to follow, starting today with a sun stand still prayer, followed by several, six other days leading us up to the actual offering. And if you have downloaded our FC app, you can see the, the prayer guide, the week of prayer guide right there on the app. If you haven't done that, you can go to our website to the sermon page and download the guide. But I really want to encourage you to follow this and pray with us so that we're reading the same things and praying the same bold, amazing prayers that God is going to do something impossible and, 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 and amazing in our midst. Last Sunday, we gathered for an, a, a vision night. We prayed together, we worshiped together, and we spent time writing scriptures all over the walls in the new uh, facility. And I was just kind of walking through after everybody had left and just reading some. And God was, man, some powerful, awesome prayers that, that we left. And I wrote a few down and I wanted to share them today because I, I felt like even before the sun stand still sermon happened, like, like many of you were praying some sun stand still type prayers. 
One of them read this. One of them said, allow my family to grow here. Raise up missionaries, church planners, counselors, lawyers, social workers, and business owners for the kingdom of God. Like, man, if, if that's going to happen, that's because God is going to show up and do that. Like, we, we can't manufacture something like that, of that nature. Another prayer was actually written on the, on the wall of the baptistry where we're going to baptize people in the future. And right now it's just a, a show with a big tub in it. But, but the prayer on the, on the crossbar there said this, I pray for my daughter that she would accept Jesus as her Savior and be baptized here. I thought, man, that is a sun standstill prayer to think that, that this daughter, whoever she is and however old she is and, and wherever she is in this world today could be far from God, living in sin, and she's got a mom who's praying a prayer and she's writing this prayer on the wall and one day God's gonna answer that prayer and I believe by faith that she'll be baptized in those waters and as she is baptized in those waters, there's gonna be a mom who has all this water in her eyes and, and she's gonna remember that prayer that she wrote on those walls and she's gonna point to that and she's gonna say, Honey, I was praying this day, what happened? And God showed up and he didn't, and he did it. It's a sun stand still prayer. Our God is good. There was one that was kind of a declaration and, and I thought it was cool too. It was, a, it was a prayer that said this, we will not give up on the sixth day. God give us courage and strength. If you weren't here last week, we talked about how the, the people of God had to walk around the city of Jericho seven times. And I said, you know, what, what if they gave up on day six? We can't give up on day six and let frustration set in. And so their prayer was like, we're not gonna give up. Like we need courage, love it. And then there was another one that was more of a, a prayer of thanksgiving. And the prayer said this, around this time last year, I didn't wanna live. Finding this church and finding God gave me a reason to live. Thank you for saving my life. And I thought, man, that is why we're here. That is the, is the vision that I want you to, to catch today. That there are other men and women who are exactly where this person was a year ago who didn't want to even live anymore, but they found this church and they found you and they built relationships with you and you, you spoke truth into their life and, and the Spirit of God infiltrated their heart and they realized that, that Jesus does love them and, and died on the cross for them and has given them an opportunity to embrace life to the fullest and a relationship with their Creator. And now she's found purpose or he's found purpose and meaning in life. That's what it's all about. And uh, I wonder if, if that is on your heart today. Like, is that vision where it needs to be? And to that, I want to just ask you to bow your heads and let's go to God in prayer today and offer a, a, a song of worship, of praise to him as we sing to a, a God of miracles. Ask him today, what lies Am I believing? What lies am I believing, God? What do you want me to do? Seek his counsel. 
And are you praying a sun stand still type prayer? You see, folks, we can't stay here because God answers prayer. And he wants to answer your prayer today. What are you going to ask him for? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would allow us to identify the lies in our life. Allow us to recognize them and destroy them. I pray in the name of Jesus that strongholds would be lifted and chains would be broken and that the lies of the enemy would be ripped away from our eyes and we would see the truth today. And we would, in fact, God, seek you. We would seek you for bold, incredible prayers, expecting you by faith to answer and to do what you've promised to do which is to provide and bless. Help us to walk faithfully and trust you each step of the way. Speak to us. You are a God of miracles. And it's to you we sing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.